take measures to make sure things fall as close as possible possible to ideal ew <laughs> there you burp into your microphone <laughs> no, that's what the sound my stomach makes <laughs> and then i poop <laughs> Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. This is episode number 72. It's the Drunken UX Guide to Hacktoberfest. Folks, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other other host, Aaron Hill. I'm getting some like real Groundhog Day feelings, man. Hey, have we done this let, before? Let me ask you a question. Do you mm-hmm. have life insurance? Because if you do, you can always use a little more. Am I right? Or am I right? Am I right? 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 <laughs> oh, Ned. <laughs> nothing. Nothing beats a good inside joke. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Folks, if you're enjoying the Drunken UX podcast, and we sure hope you are. Go check out our great sponsors over at the Live at Manning conference series. That sounds familiar, and it doesn't sound like a Groundhog Day reference. That's because they just put on the Rust conference uh, that just wrapped up, and now they are preparing to do the Women in Tech conference on October 13th from noon to 5 p.m. Now, this is awesome for a number of reasons. One is that if you're not wanting to get out, but you still want to learn some stuff, it's live streamed so you can check it out on twitch you don't have to go out and be around people you can wear your mask at home i guess if you want to you don't have to because you're at home but it's also free so if you want to get a ticket for it run by drunkenux.com slash women in tech and you can get a free ticket to that and sit back in the comfort of your home and learn a bunch of stuff they've got a great big list of folks lined up to speak at it they're going to be talking about careers in technology they're going to be talking about vr they're going to be talking about engineering and chatbots, which I hate, but you know what? If they're passionate about them, more power to them. That is super cool. At any rate, uh, drunkenux.com slash women in tech. That's W-O-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H. So go check that out. If you want to go check us out, we give you a bunch of ways you can go do that. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook slash drunkenux. If you want to catch us on Instagram, it's slash drunkenux podcast um or if you want to just chat with us we have this uh super exclusive way to get an invitation that's available to anybody just by going to drunkenux.com slash discord did i get everything aaron i believe so i think i've rehearsed this a few times now so i should have gotten it (laughs) (laughs) i find that if i have to do something again you know like if i had to do it three times or more in one night I have a hard time remembering because I feel like I've already done it. Don't say more. That's not a good way <laughs> to jinx us. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just speaking in hypotheticals. Just hy- hypothetically, if we had to have done this three <laughs> times tonight, I'm just saying. So if I was to have done this three times, I might be already a little more buzzed than I had intended because I'm drinking uh, Glenfiddich 14. Which may sound weird if you know anything about scotch. It sounded weird to me when I saw it. It was in a bright blue tube, which caught my eye. Ooh. Well, that's fun. Wait, show me the bottle. It's uh, Oh, the tube was blue, not the bottle. The tube was blue, but it's got the nice little blue collar on it. All and, right. That's and, a nice, uh, that's a nice blue. 
so it's the Glenfiddich 14 Bourbon Barrel Reserve, which okay. I didn't know existed. <laughs> to me, all scotch is bourbon barrel because scotch is aged in bourbon barrels. <laughs> so I was a little confused. I had to do some uh, uh, a hair bit of research on it. So what it is, it turns out, is it's aged 14 years in uh, Kentucky bourbon barrels because all bourbon comes from Kentucky. And then it's finished in uh, New Oak. So the reason that makes it more interesting is normally, like I say, scotch is aged in bourbon barrels. There's there's this whole, like, circle of life with uh, whiskeys where bourbon is aged in New Oak. And then bourbon companies like Jack Daniels and and Jim Beam and and all these other folks uh, sell off their barrels overseas usually to wineries, and to scotch distilleries. Because scotch in particular, to be scotch, has to be aged in ex-bourbon casks, used ex-bourbon casks. Normally, this would just be a normal 14-year then. What makes it special is this finish in New Oak gives it that sort of brightness and sweetness that you get in bourbon as a consequence. Bourbons tend to be a little brighter, stronger on the vanilla front. There's literally a chemical compound that comes out of oak called vanillin hmm. that is named such because it gives it imparts a vanilla flavor there. But you also get that sort of sharp uh, tree fruity flavor. So we're talking like apples, pears, apricot. Is apricot a, uh, a tree fruit? I think it is. I think it's still a tree fruit. Yeah. I've eaten them dehydrated before, but never full. Um, I do like it. It's, um, I think, distinctly better than the Glenfiddich 12. Um, I would say it's probably not as good as the Glenfiddich 18. I would say it's better than 15, though I don't have a bottle of 15 right now to directly sort of A-B compare it. But my memory with 15 is 15 is nice, but I like this sort of, again, that sharp sweetness that comes out of this. So... If you're looking for something a little different and you like a Speyside and you want something that's just off the beaten path, Glenfiddich 14 Bourbon Barrel Reserve. That's what I'll be having tonight. I've got a bottle of Four Roses Bourbon. Oh, nice. And um, I've had a bit of it, and it's mixed (laughs) with Coca-Cola. Slow down, slow down. Second can of now at the beginning of the show. Don't worry, we, the... we drink responsibly. We're recording from home. We have water here as well, so don't worry about us. <laughs> I have a designated driver to get me back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> don't As long as you don't ride a Segway upstairs, because I can oh tell gosh. you right now, Segways can hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little experience Something you have to tell us. What, once you're done with your stuff, you have to tell us your story about that. And I'm not going to do that. I've had to explain <laughs> it to my chiropractor three times. Um, I, I like Four Roses bourbon as like a nice, um, like it's, it's not cheap, but it's inexpensive for bourbon. Like it's a little cheaper than Jack and Jim, but it's like, it's a bit smoother yeah. and it's great for like, I buy it when I want to buy, when I'm like, I want a bourbon that I can mix with something like Coke yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, cause it's really good for that because if I buy like nice sippable bourbon, like Basil Hayden or Angel's Envy, the other ones I've had before. I don't like to mix those. I feel bad doing it. Right. Because it's no, so I good totally on its understand. own. Yeah. There's that there's a reason why there aren't a lot of scotch cocktails out there. Quite yeah. Frankly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So to get things started here, I wanted to warm things up with a little article I read. I liked the the, the uh, title got me immediately. It said, "Yeah, there's a good reason why experienced devs say it depends so often." Yeah, it's over at changelog.com. Uh, it was written by Jared Santo. Um, do go read it. It's very Jamstack centric in terms of like what drives his rationale. Can you um, can you remind us what Jamstack is? So that's like JavaScript API markup. So it's this idea of having, you know, a purely rendered page that works client side with no need for server side technology, no databases, things like that. Mm -hmm. Usually um, the idea is like your page is, is fairly static. So it's very mm -hmm. quick and very fast and performant. Good article. I think it applies to developers. I think it applies to designers or UX people. Mm -hmm. I think it applies to accountants. I mean, you get this division of, of people, these layers of people. And what made it funny to me was thinking about like your, you have your junior devs, right? Your new hires, right. your young devs. When somebody says, Hey, can you do this? Their immediate answer is usually yes. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. some variation thereof. They're very gung ho. They're very passionate. They're very fearless to tackle a question that is posed to them. That's not bad. It just is. That's, I, you know, you dude, see it a you lot. Know, you and I both were just like that when we were juniors. Absolutely. I think everyone was like that. We learned all this cool stuff and we just want to like use it. And and you yeah. learn a lot from the failures that mm -hmm. come out of that, quite frankly. You know, applying the wrong technology to a problem because mm -hmm. you didn't know better. Like that teaches you a lot. Right. Sometimes you get the older devs, let's say. I don't like that phrase because it's not about age it's more about complacency that may be the sure. right word okay yeah i'll give you that settled stagnant is a better word right those folks when they're posed with a unique challenge tend to say no right now um i don't think so uh you want to do what Mm, no. <laughs> and we've all worked with that person or talked to that person or read a stack overflow answer written by that person that they they don't evolve. They get to a point where they stop learning. And these are your folks, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that couldn't get away from table-based layouts or didn't give up Flash. <laughs> you know, they stuck to what they knew. And as a consequence, they, they didn't evolve beyond that. And so when they're posed with that challenge, part of the reason they say no is simply out of fear. You know, yeah. they don't, because they don't know themselves how to get beyond what they've done. Then you get the third person, which is who this article uh, is basically about, which is, you know, let's just call them the experienced developer. And when posed with those questions, it's always, well, I mean, it depends. Mm -hmm. It could be easy or it could be hard. <laughs> it could be done tomorrow. Or, I mean, it may take us a month. It depends. I think that that answer comes very much out of that experience triaging and dealing with people and understanding how requirements impact scope and things like that. I, I've, I've found, especially in the last few months, I found that sometimes clients and stakeholders don't always realize when something is a big lift versus a small lift because oh, it absolutely. all seems like magic to them. Do you remember that XKCD comic where... It's a person saying like, I'd like to know if someone takes a photo within this wildlife refuge and the person's like, okay, give me three hours and I can do a GPS lookup on this. And then they say, 
I'd also like to know if the photo contains a bird. And then the person, the developer says, I'm going to need three years and a team of research scientists. Yeah. And the, the person asking it, both requests seem equally complicated. And we know just from experience, sometimes things are easy, sometimes things are hard. And when things are hard, the people requesting it, they they may not they may think that you are just so amazing they can ask anything of you and you can just make it happen. And they may not realize that sometimes it's actually hard to do. So oh, I like to ask I like to ask, how important is this to you? Because this would be a big lift. Sure. Or the the classic is also like I say, you know, you get these stagnant devs that just say no. There yeah. is a diplomatic and correct way to say no. There's the no but. No, right. but uh, no we can get you 80% of the way there. No, but we can do one. this other thing that's very similar and to the user would be transparent. It's about offering alternatives. It's about not being an obstructionist, basically. Helping to yeah. find solutions and solve problems. The but is the key word to any of that. No, but is much different from no. Right. I, I think that it's important to remember that whatever your capacity is, like your job is to like give your employer like, you know, the best possible service. And sometimes you got to move things forwards, even if you know that like it's going to make things a little harder, like progress has a cost to it. The the article, as Jared writes it, you know, gets into a lot of the technology component of it and like choosing technology to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. There's a quote in it from Matt Mullenweg that I'll read that I, I really enjoy because I think about Jamstack in these terms. We just had, uh, mm. last episode, 71, uh, Chris Ferdinandi and us talking about Vanilla JS and I really, the sort of... That, that was a really good episode. <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of that. If you don't know Chris, uh, listening to that episode is a great introduction mm. to him, and um, he's very passionate about this idea of doing yeah. things simply and and and, and whatnot. And the problem with things like Jamstack is this brittleness that gets introduced with these technologies. What Matt said was, you can patch together a dozen services, each with its own account and billing for hundreds of dollars a month to get a similar result you'd have, uh, you, you'd have for a few dollars a month using WordPress on a shared hosting. And it would be more fragile because the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. You are chaining together different tool sets, logins, billing, hosting. Any part of it going down can break the entire flow. That's where the it depends comes in because people who say it depends understand collateral. They understand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we were talking before the show as we were going through notes about, uh, you know, this idea of legacy code, right? When you're mm -hmm. in an environment with older systems, especially that you have to interface with, knowing what may or may not break or how far you can push something is a huge it depends kind of moment. The idea always comes down to, can you do something, right? Can you do X? Mm -hmm. You can always do X, but you know, code is a, a marvelous thing. Like you were just saying, right? The, the AI question of, can you identify what's in the image? Right. We have that ability. That's a, that is a thing we can do. I, I've seen what you can do with AWS's Lambda services and honestly detecting if the bird is in a picture isn't as hard as it was, you know, when that XKCD comic was written. So when your when your clients or stakeholders like are asking magic of you, it <laughs> I try to see it as a compliment. Like 
they think I'm a wizard and not yeah. like they're asking me to do the impossible. And <laughs> it's a matter of this combination, right, of what is success and how efficiently can we achieve it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the business world, you know, every hour of my time is a certain amount of salary that costs the business money. And yes, I can go out. Um, I'm not an ML guy. We actually have an ML team at work that does incredible stuff. The The things they have built so far um, are quite frankly amazing. Um, and I know at a high level how it works, like conceptually. I have no idea how it works from a code standpoint. Mm-hmm. But those efficiencies, can I, could I learn it? Yes, I have the capacity to learn that. Is it efficient at that point? It depends <laughs> how much money are we going to make off of it, right? So that that it depends comes out of that. And so the reason I guess I wanted to throw this article out there, go read it, check it out, and learn sort of that difference between enthusiastic yeses, <laughs> stagnant noes, or when you hear that developer sit up next to you and say, well, it depends – it's not always a good sign, but it mm-hmm. generally, I think, is a sign of somebody who is more thoughtful about their process, understands consequences and, and things like that, and has an understanding of the things in orbit, so to speak. Um, I like it depends, and that's why I it rang so true to me, because I use that phrase so much. Yeah. Um, I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I really, I like people who say it depends because it means whatever is coming out of their mouth next is going to actually articulate the problem a little bit and what goes into solving it. I think it's important to just like, there should always be some pushback. I, I read this, I read this funny thing the other day about how in, in Japanese business rooms, I think I read this on Reddit. They have a position they call the angry American. Yes, I don't know if I it has this. to be an, Yeah. I don't know if it has to be an American, but the point is that this person is hired and their job is to tell the CEO that their their idea is stupid and they shouldn't do it and to be very loud and disrespectful. So that the CEO has to then like has some resistance because the culturally the 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 Japanese uh, executives would defer to authority enough that there wouldn't always be that pushback. Yeah, there's so it, there's a very cultural reason it's a thing, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I I read that same article actually. Um, <laughs> I I think it's good. It's good to ask why it's like I think if you're always saying yes, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Um, I definitely have before. Just a hair, sure. Because uh, if you have Netflix, there's a uh, Man, there's a series, and I forget what it's called now. It's about um, video games. Oh, high score, high score, and there's it's so a, good. One of their episodes is about Nintendo, yes, and about the guys who went to Nintendo and yes, from America, the Americans and, and worked there. Uh, uh, yes, to, uh, uh, was it Mor- <laughs> Morimoto? Uh, the guy that did she, Shigeru Morimoto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gets that's like that is the like the absolute nexus of the angry American walking into that room and them (laughs) talking and having, they had no clue. Like it wasn't intentional or anything. They just had no idea of the cultural difference. And so the way they approached the problem shocked everybody, but it got the job done. So I think that's, I think that's actually where that originates from. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. If you haven't seen the high score series and you are around middle age or you're a video game enthusiast, you should, 
definitely watch it. It is so cool. Well, let me tell you something. Yeah. Whether or not you're going to enjoy that depends. <laughs> So if you're listening to this on release day, and I hope you are, because that means yes. you are a Drunken UX super fan, and I have nothing Woo! else to give you except, I guess, saying you're a super fan. We can uh, send you a sticker. Actually, I'd say, yeah, if you hit me on Twitter or something, we got some stickers and coasters and stuff, I'll, I'll send you some stickers. Totally. Um, just let me know. If you hit me up separately, I'll also send you a sticker or coaster, and then you and can have two. You'll get double. Oh, my God. Double the fun. If you're listening, uh, it is... In theory, September 28th, which is right before October, which means it is we are right on the cusp of Hacktoberfest. And we have talked about this. I'm pretty sure it has come up every season right about this time. Actually, it's usually come up right about the middle of August or October, rather, each year, because I know because every time I've said I'm going to actually finish it this year. My big problem has been that the projects I work on are all private repos. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get any credit for any of the PRs, the dozens and dozens Bar, and dozens dude. of PRs I issue over the course of the month. No credit. But no, um, Hacktoberfest is something put on between, a, uh, I believe DigitalOcean is like one of the primary sponsors in GitHub, right? Like, they do partner on that, I believe. Um, DigitalOcean is the sponsor. Is the sponsor, it's yeah. Like an aff- yeah, it's like an affiliation with GitHub, yeah. And it, it's done through GitHub. Mm-hmm. Uh this is like one of those times, so what GitHub does is it's their month every year, what, for the last three, four, five years, somewhere in there? Oh, man. Yeah, at least that. I've got I've got three or four t-shirts now. Oh, listen to um, you, Mr. I, think... I, I commit stuff every month. <laughs> I've maintained an open source repo the last four years, so, like, it was easy to do, get those Do you get credit in. for your own repos? Is that oh, yeah. cheating, right? No, no, if it's if it's open source, it has to be a public repo, and it counts. Oh, well, now I'm just going to cheat. Well, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't on my own username. I actually didn't try that. It was on the Ruby for Good one. But um, but any, any public repo counts, though, yeah. as far as I know. Um, this year, so the way they've, they've got it set up, you have to commit four pull requests, what we call PRs. Hmm. We, you'll hear it us use this three. name, PR. It's not public relations. <laughs> pull request that's a pull request is a thing that merges your code into theirs and i know that most of you probably know that but a lot of you may not it's really you know part of what it is a they're trying to encourage support for open source they're also trying to encourage like first time commits from people and get new people into the this idea of what we call version control version control mm-hmm. is the thing that lets us keep our code you know up to date so that you know, over time it can change, but we have a record of it and we don't have to worry about like, you know, what we call code collisions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Really, let's admit, it is also a huge marketing scheme for them. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely a marketing play, but it's a very cool one. So I give them yeah. a pass on on that piece of it. But it is marketing, so I will acknowledge that just in case so that no angry comments come my way. <laughs> So there's a an article over on uh, Dev.2 from Corbin Taylor. 
he yeah. talks about his experience last year, like as a first time Hacktoberfest person. So it's cool if you want to go hmm. read like his experience. He was a data scientist who wanted to get into programming, and okay. he used Hacktoberfest as kind of a, a engine for that. There's a, a quote that I really liked though that he made, and I'm sure I've heard this somewhere else, but I can't attribute it to anybody. Um, so I'm gonna attribute it to Corbin because he put it in bold. Coders are ultimately problem solvers. The reason I like that I like is that. yeah, it's I like that. It's this idea that, you know, why Hacktoberfest works is because all of us instinctually enjoy a challenge and helping people solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of hunger that comes with that, I think, for those good devs. For those devs that say it depends a lot, they're the ones who really enjoy being said, hey, how do we do this? Well, it depends. And then they go figure out <laughs> no, a solution. But... No, Well, no, we can't do it that way, but <laughs> if we do these other things, we can get most of that work done. Yeah, I liked that quote. Because of that, yeah. because I think it really embodies sort of that spirit of why Hacktoberfest exists and why it works. Mm-hmm. That spirit of going out and finding something to do. Because, you know, and uh, Aaron, I'm going to lean on you pretty heavily here. Sure. That, you know, most open lean, source lean projects. On, lean on the drunk guy. I'm going to, well, the best I can. Um, <laughs> hey, one of us has got to do the work here. <laughs> Most open source projects, I think, are really happy to get help, quite frankly. Because, again, oh, most, yeah. most projects are very small, you know. Yes. In some cases, it's one guy. I've got, I've got some recommendations for this that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Yeah. But, but, yes, definitely. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, most, we, most projects we were are like, tiny. We were ecstatic when I was a project meeting for Diaperbase. I just as an update for our listeners, if you've been following for a while. Um, after four years, I turned over the baton to a new project lead for Diaperbase. So I'm no longer officially the project lead, um, but I still am participating in the project. I'm just not the lead anymore. You gave um, up. It, it just seemed like it was. It just seemed like it was time. It, dude, it's so hard to walk away. No, that, that that was very mean. Of I know. Me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was it's hard to walk away or to step down from that. Um, but like. It's like Washington says in the I'm making all kinds of Hamilton quotes tonight. Um, in the one last time where he's like, uh it it you know, it's good to step down and have the transfer of power because it shows that the thing is working and all yeah. that. I forget the exact words. One last time. I can't sing. Um <laughs> That's such a good song. <laughs> and and to your point though, because I like I would say diaper base is a mm-hmm. small project. It's not jQuery, it's not you know, oh, okay, no, yeah. It's not, <laughs> yes, you're like, correct on in that spectrum, regard. On <laughs> it's small, yeah. but it's still yeah. big by many comparisons. It's a successful small project. I, yeah. would, I would say that would be accurate. But yeah. you also, I think, fall into that category, which many of these uh, repos will, which is, mm-hmm. A, you are enthusiastically available to help people answer yes. questions and yes. support folks who are like, hey – this is interesting to me. I like this problem, but I'm having a little trouble understanding X. Can somebody point that yes. you have that, you know, and, and we've emphasized this many, many times that mentorship, mm-hmm. the importance of mentorship in our field. Yeah. Like, there's even on the smallest one man projects, 
most of the time they're going to be so excited to have somebody contributing that they will help you in almost any way that you ask, as long as you just ask. I still remember the first, um, it was the second year of diaper base. It was when we went multi-tenant and during Ruby for good, we had a person who was not affiliated with Ruby for good, put in a pull request for an issue and Holy shit. I like, I was over the moon. It was amazing. <laughs> that was the first time. And it was so cool. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Because I th I think this is like one of those things too, because people, and I've got a, I've got, I've got a little anecdote I'll tell later that will tie mm -hmm. into the, this actual issue. There's fear, I think for especially people who are not used to contributing to other projects. Mm -hmm. There's this fear of, what it you know they don't want my you know my stuff i may not do it right or i may break mm -hmm. their stuff like there's when you're not used to opening up to people like that yeah i think there's a hesitance to say i'm gonna make a pr for them and totally i get that i get that that's why hacktoberfest exists yeah and we're gonna talk about how to find stuff that is very open for that but i want to tell you a that fear is natural yeah. And it's okay to, you know, push against it and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make this PR because the worst that can happen is they just don't take it. It's still, to be fair, it still counts. Even if they don't accept your PR, you still get the credit for it oh, with Oktoberfest. Yeah. It, you don't have to get a merge in order to get it count for your, uh, towards your t-shirt uh, or your whatever you choose. I guess you're doing trees planting this year as well. Wait, no, you, it's either. You can select one or the other. Okay. Well, you don't have to have, it doesn't have to be merged to count is what I mean. But yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I would say speaking to that fear specifically, I always try to update the readme on the repo to specifically address Hacktoberfest, like during that month of October. Um, but if the issue is tagged with Hacktoberfest label, and we'll get into that in a little bit in more detail, if it's tagged with that though, like you should feel totally comfortable making your contribution because that is an organization or user that is prepared to accept Hacktoberfest contributions. There's a name, help me, because unlike you, I've now had a fair amount of scotch. <laughs> hey, you're drinking whiskey. Um, <laughs> What's the proof for your scotch, man? I'm at 43. I'm at 40% alcohol. Yeah, so see, I'm beating you. There's a there's a word though, right? Um, a name for this where some repos will have like a, uh, a like a commit policy. Contributing.md. It's you look at the contributing file. Not all repos have the contributing file like updated specifically for that repo. Um, but it's always good to look anyways. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that will help if you're having hesitance. If mm -hmm. you're worried about making a commit that maybe won't be accepted or isn't valuable. You can look mm -hmm. for that, and that will help you understand, because there's some other stuff that can be involved. Maybe it's running tests. Maybe it's following certain code styles. Mm -hmm. And that can be intimidating, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but if they have that, if they have those rules, usually they will have some guidance in that document as to what goes into it or what you need to include in terms of your pull request. So... I just want to say I understand. I do get it. I I know that that can yeah. be intimidating, and you don't have to worry too much about that. Nobody's 
going to get mad at you, so to speak. No, no. And if they do, let Aaron and I know, and we'll set them straight. <laughs> let me tell you, the I it was a couple of years ago for Hacktoberfest, and we had someone who put in a pull request that tagged issue number one. And issue number one was like some, I don't know, but it was like a DevOps issue or something. And they updated readme.md and they had it. They just put like five words in it or something. And my response to that, I mean, it was a bullshit PR straight up. But my response to them was like, hey, um, this doesn't actually solve the issue that was already closed, but you should go look at our other issues <laughs> and see if you can find one to handle. What? Which takes me to my last point on this. Yeah. Just as important as trying to find a project and helping contribute and everything is if you run projects, mm -hmm. make sure you're encouraging others because Hacktoberfest is all about the new people coming in and getting folks yeah. excited about your project and getting them, you know, encouraged and, and learning and tied in because if they get excited about that first PR they're much yeah. more likely to make more. And if they're doing that, they're helping you out for free. Yeah. So there's a lot to be gained by making sure you're not an asshole. Yeah, no, being, being positive and inviting. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I mean, if they're putting in a bullshit PR, try to like guide them towards being a real contributor, but yes, always be kind just in general. Like I think on the internet, just, whether it's GitHub or something else, just be kind. Yeah, be, be kind <laughs> everywhere. That's absolutely yeah. true. But um, especially during Hacktoberfest. And I, I do want to say, I'm going to go off on a tiny, tiny tangent here, but mm -hmm. only because I saw this recently, and um, I reached out to the folks. They didn't answer me, so I, I'm going to assume I don't have permission to share their story or who they are, so I'm going to not do that. But okay. what I am going to say is I know there is a certain culture of people that exist who have decided to use github as a means of attacking certain people oh, on github yeah, do that shit man when they identify them and they they will attack their projects they will spam them with bad prs they will spam them with comments and i just want you to know if that happens to you i i do say it honestly that reach out to us and we will be more than happy to come in and provide any assistance. I think Aaron and I, I I'm speaking mm -hmm. for Aaron a little bit, but I think Aaron and I are on the same oh, no, page totally. of this, that that is yeah. not okay. And there are plenty of us out there that are willing to support and defend on those issues. So mm -hmm. just saying that out loud, especially during Hacktoberfest when I know activity picks up. So you don't have to put up with that. Let me just say that. I think that's fair. Yeah, definitely. Less serious <laughs> now. Um, getting started in this. Let's talk about getting started. Like, you're excited. Because there's a lot of way to do this. So I'm going to jump ahead in the notes. So I'm going to apologize to Aaron real fast. I'm jumping ahead to C. Because I think finding something is one of the most important steps. Sure. Yeah. And I say this because I know we have some designers who listen. I know we have UX people who listen. Analytics people who listen. Um, not all of you are coders. And you think, well, this is no good to me, but it absolutely is because oh, no. you can be <laughs> so many projects need UX and front end and layout and other things. Yes. There's a whole myriad of things 
Um, mm-hmm. I had a friend, I said I had a story to kind of tie this in earlier. Um, I have a friend who's not a developer at all. Um, okay. And, but she is interested in tech. And most specifically, she was asking me about how to get into technical writing. And one of the pieces of advice I gave her was get on GitHub, look mm-hmm. for the label good first issue in areas of documentation. Because if there's one area yeah. that is hugely lacking on a lot of projects, it's good documentation. Um, you know, a lot of developers, they're great at writing code. They're great at building a product. They may not be great about explaining that project. And so technical writing is one of those areas like as long as you learn how to use GitHub and learn mm-hmm. how to make a commit, maybe write some markdown, which isn't hard. Mm-hmm. That's not a hard thing to do, even if you don't know how to markdown do it. Markdown is super easy. Yeah. You They're, could learn it in half an hour. Graphic designers, you know, coming in and helping, uh, you know, with icon design and, and mm-hmm. design language type issues. Again, a lot of us can write great code that's very functional and can get things across. But having good design language attached to that that conveys meaning through the iconography and, and the layout, hugely important. You see a Ruby project? I'm not a Ruby dev. <laughs> Sorry. But I can write JavaScript. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I'll bet Diaperbase has some JavaScript stuff somewhere in the front end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's all about finding opportunity on these things. So that's why I wanted to skip ahead a little bit. This was out of order because I think it's important to emphasize that this isn't about code only. There are so many ways. I mean, people use GitHub to like version wild things in some cases. There, there are documentation. Actually, if you want, so all right, let me dial back here. If you are a developer, in your skill to development, especially if you know how to do like writing tests, go to any Ooh, repo, yeah. find a test suite that is skimpy and run it and find the tests that you can write and then write the tests and contribute those. I guarantee those will be accepted. Um, I didn't if there's documentation that, that's that, missing. That's a great yeah. angle. Um, writing tests is always a welcome thing. I was always ecstatic to get um, tests added to our suite. But even just writing documentation, you know, if you are, go in and run a winter through it and find the winting comments that are saying, like, this is missing comments for this thing, add those. I, there's there's a bunch of non-code things that you can add to a project that still help it. Um, there's just, I, there's a lot of things that just take time to add that we don't always have the time to add. To to your testing point, the mm-hmm. I, one of the key labels to look for is QA. Mm-hmm. QA is sure. the word that gets attached to that. Sometimes it's testing, sometimes it's tests, sometimes it's unit test or integration test. But QA, I think, is probably the bigger umbrella quality assurance. QA folks are the ones who generally write tests, run tests. I'm blessed to work somewhere where we have a QA team that, you know, they nice. use Selenium and all that. I've been learning, um, uh, not Mocha, uh, it's the other one, Cypress. Um, okay. Which uses Mocha, as, uh, their assertion library in some cases. But um, Cypress is a testing framework for JavaScript um, for integration okay. tests. Very cool. Um, and once you figure out how it works, yeah, it's JavaScript. You have to learn some JavaScript. But it's all also a very lexical language. I think I'm using the right That's word good. there. Like, it's very descriptive. Like, when you write a test, you do have to know some technical stuff to pick it out. 
writing the test is a very descriptive process. Like it should describe certain things. And like, sure. I'm saying those as literal, like those are the functions. Yeah. It should, you know, contain the phrase, this form submitted successfully, you know, like it will actually look for that string of text and things. That sounds like RSpec or Capybara. Yeah. Both of those use very like lexical commands. I, I've never used QA as a label, but I, um, I have used good first issue and I have used Hacktoberfest. Yeah. Both of those you can search pretty reliably and find if good first issue, especially I I'm very careful to only pick issues that are not trivial, but, um, simple in complexity or, or low value. Is that a phrase? Is that mm -hmm. a fair to say like, um, like I have work to do. I have to, I have to pick between these, these issues and, this one is going to take me longer, but it's also much more important. This one's easy, mm. but it's such a fringe bug or something like that. Like it's a low value kind sure. of bug. I don't think I've ever used the, the low value label, but yes. No, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. from low value. I'm just saying like ph philosophically. Oh sure, sure. We because yeah. we like that's one way we arrange work is we kind of determine value. So it's yeah, yeah. This is a bug. It's a real bug, but it's such a fringe bug or it affects so few people that it from a value standpoint fixing it sure. isn't very important so well so sometimes it, i mean if you value a bunch of things at like eight nine and ten there can be stuff valued at five that just you know never quite gets on the backlog but is still important define value real fast so if i um not not specifically agile pointing but like if we're just saying an arbitrary value on a scale from one to ten if all the issues that you and your team work on are eight, nine, and 10 in terms of priority, then there could be issues that are a five. So not insignificant, but not quite high priority yeah. enough to be worked on by the team. Every team will sort of score or yeah. value. Some people use text labels. This is a blocker. This mm -hmm. is critical. This is trivial. Sure. It's all different ways of just waiting. So value is something that, yeah, if you're familiar with agile, story mm -hmm. pointing you'll hear story pointing as a phrase and some people yeah. will will use those in labels in their projects so that's why i kind of wanted to stop for a second because you'll see sure it, and that's sure. what that means is they're just waiting those issues if you if you're a if you're like a senior or like experienced dev and you do a critical issue for hacktoberfest and you are you get all the props that those are always always appreciated i have had a couple come in like that you still only get one shirt though sorry you only get one shirt but <laughs> you get lots of internet goodie points <laughs> to make this easy for folks too if you go to the show notes over at drunkenux.com for this episode um, i'll have a link there that links to github's mm -hmm. issue search pre-filtered for issues that are set for hacktoberfest so nice that's another easy way as well as you can you could search for like you said good first issue Good first mm -hmm. issue is a great starting place in a ton of places. So now I'm going to rewind, go up the show notes. Demo sure. repo. There's a there's a demo repo you can go play with um, called the Cloud Haiku. Hi Haiku? Haiku. Haiku? Yeah. Haiku. Haiku. Um, this is a little repo that DigitalOcean has set up for the community that you can go in um, and learn how to commit to git so this goes back to this idea that not everybody uses git devs use mm -hmm. it but if you're a designer if you're a tech writer you may not be familiar with that process so what they've done is 
They've put together some learning resources. And one is a great slideshow. Again, we'll have it linked in our show notes that walks through like how to make a first commit to GitHub. If you want to get a little more involved, there's GitHub Lab, which has a bunch of lessons that teach you, you know, from making a first commit to, you know, merging, you know, or, or like a doing conflict resolution and, and branching mm-hmm. and all of this kind of stuff. So then with this demo repo, DigitalOcean has set it up so that anybody can commit their own haikus to it and set their own PRs for it. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's just sort of an open repo. It's not designed to be complex. It's not about the code. It's just about get yourself comfortable making a commit to a repo and learn that process. Oh, I want to look at this. So, yeah, it's very cool and it's full. Like, if you just want to read a bunch of haikus about, you oh, know, wow. development and all of this, they've it's literally jam-packed with them. And we'll have a link to it, obviously. So... That's a good way to get started, especially if you aren't a developer, if you haven't been using <laughs> GitHub. Oh, wait. Uh, Michael, you got to let me read a couple of these. Go these for are it. Great. I'm gonna, yeah. Okay. Friday pull request. Push oh, no. to production quickly. Programmer nightmares. Oh, yeah. I say, I, I, the, first, <laughs> uh, the first phrase of that got me. <laughs> I hear one. It's called lazy humans. Oh, lazy humans building quick-weighted machines to make life simple. This is awesome. Okay. Python is super. Simple and succinct coding. No type, no worries. <laughs> we, what's, we, we need to come up with a drunken UX cloud haiku to commit. And then we'll, right. we'll put All it right. on a shirt yes. or something. Yes. Let's think about Let's that. Let's do that. The other way to get started is, and this is not going to apply to everybody because of the complexity involved and just because of fucking 2020. But <laughs> um, there are events. And so if you go to hacktoberfest.digitalocean.com, don't remember it, go to the web, go to our website, we'll have a link to it. Um, at the bottom, they have a link to events. And so there are events being held around, around the world, U.S., Europe, Asia, uh, Australia, Africa, India, all of them are having uh, Hacktoberfest events that are designed around helping people learn how to do it, finding issues to commit to, and learning that process. Again, it's not everywhere. You're probably going to be limited to relatively big cities for that kind of stuff, but they are happening all over, and they have a list of them on their website. So if you are in one of those major metros or something like that and you want some of that support system, see if there's an event in your area. Um, that's nice. Sometimes the best way to learn is from other people, you know, right next to you. So, Okay. I want to finish on the most important part of this which is mm-hmm. the etiquette of the process because there is there is a certain like professionalism that should come along with this i think all right so to be completely blunt to get the t-shirt all you have to do is submit for commits for, they don't have to be accepted yeah and what they the way they phrase it is for valid commits I don't know right. what constitutes valid, but I'm assuming that's I, a commit that's not marked as spam or um it I believe a PR maintainer or the repo maintainer can mark it as invalid and then that doesn't get counted. Right. So repo maintainers have the ability to mark a commit as invalid if you submit a bullshit commit. Just don't do it. Um when I was uh, a couple years ago we had one come in for diaper base and it was like 
editing the readme md file and it was adding some line that was not relevant and it tagged issue number one and it wasn't related to issue number one which had already been closed and i was like my my response i think i mentioned this earlier right yes i we've recorded so many times don't don't worry about how many times we've done this uh the thing i mentioned earlier it's for this yeah i think the important thing there is invalid is not the same as rejected right that's maybe the important note to take away from that like if you do a pr and it's not good enough a most folks will help you make it good enough but if it's just like oh we're we don't want to do that that's not the same as invalid this kind of goes into the second point, which is don't do drive-bys. So, like, if you, I mean, if you're just trying to get the t-shirt, all you have to do technically is submit four commits. But really, like, act in good faith. Like, try to actually solve the issue you're trying to solve. That's the point of this, is to get people to contribute to open source. So, if you submit something and there's feedback from the repo maintainers, take the feedback and try to finish the issue. Don't take on an issue on if you think you can't complete it. It's a good point. If they're like, oh, uh, you forgot to make this pass linting, then fix the linting and update the PR. Like, do it do it right. Like, actually try to really do this for real. Don't just, like, dump your four commits and then be done. You'll still get the t-shirt, but... Uh, with, which is also, like, my third point of, of following through. If If you get feedback... And it says, hey, like, could you write a test for this or, um, you know, make a pass linting or, you know, this isn't the code style we use. Could you do this instead? You know, fix it, fix the commit, and then it can get merged in and then it can be done. And it, it shouldn't, if you're getting feedback from the repo maintainers, it's something they think is an inconsequential thing because they wouldn't give feedback if they didn't think it was They small. want you to help. They really do. Yeah. I, speaking from experience, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and and like you know, on that idea of follow through. So you said it, to Aaron, just then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I say that like it's a throwback. You literally said it like a minute ago. Um, Word episode seventy two. Episode yeah, back in episode seventy two, like forty seven mm-hmm. minutes in. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, could you write a test to do this? It's okay to say, I don't know how to do that. I would love to do that, but I'm not familiar with the process of writing a test. Yeah. It's okay to say that. It's okay to be like, man, I, yeah, I want to help write that test. Is there somebody that can kind of show me what that looks like? Absolutely. Going back, I'm going to steal a phrase from like two episodes ago, three episodes ago. Um, mm-hmm. To use the word idioms, I, I said I've been trying to work this word into my uh, vernacular now that I've learned it uh, and and committed to it. I'm a, I'm a developer. I understand. Like I can look at Ruby, for instance, and mm-hmm. like from a very high level, like I get the idioms. I can see kind of what's happening and what's going on there. Sure. But this idea of making like just coming in and and asking for help and getting assistance with those issues and saying, hey. I can write this test. I I can do this, but can you explain such and such to me and I'll I'll follow through with the rest. You know, it's just a matter of making sure that you do that follow-up and you do that asking and exploration because mm-hmm. again, most of the folks are going to help you. They're going to be right there for you the whole way. Cuz they want you. Yeah. They want you to finish that, right? Like they want that test oh, definitely. they want all that stuff to come through. So they're not asking to try to like make you fail. 
they're just asking because again they probably don't know you they don't know your capabilities at that point so right it, it's just a matter of articulating those those things and those challenges i i definitely agree um and i would say that if you you should approach you should put hacktoberfest as both a learning opportunity and an opportunity to help out repos that are volunteer based so like come come at it with that attitude that you're trying to learn stuff and you're trying to help out people and if you don't know how to do something ask you'll probably get a good response we always love to get people coming in and contributing code and if we ask you like hey could you write a test for this and you say like i'm not sure how then we say like okay cool are you available to pair this time this week like i've done that before yeah i've i've paired with random strangers before just to do this it happens me too i have that app on my phone so yeah uh, folks, I hope you found this useful. I hope you get involved. I really hope you let us know how you've done in Hacktoberfest. Um, I'd love to hear if you have trouble or, or problems with it, or if you got super into it and, and did like 33 different PRs. Uh, let us know, uh, and and we want to hopefully share your success with everybody. Before we close, I want to really quick, as someone who's maintained a repo for the past couple of years as Len Hacktoberfest, if you are someone who maintains a repo and you want to do Hacktoberfest, um, the first thing I would say is write good issues that describe the problem well and understand people don't have your domain knowledge. So provide as much information as possible as well as what criteria do you need for the issue to be complete. Tag the issue Hacktoberfest. Tag it, if it's appropriate, tag it good first issue. Um, tag it need help want, or um, need help or help wanted. Those are both good to do. Make sure that the issue is small. Like if you're thinking agile pointing, um, make them like one pointers. I, I wouldn't go two. Like like stick with small issues. The goal is really, if you're a repo maintainer, the goal is to get people exposure to your project with the hopes that they will come back and contribute more after the event. The way I would phrase that is make it completable. Sure. A lot of, yeah. a lot make of tickets, when you get into them, you realize that like the the scope of work is maybe bigger yeah. that that comes back to the, again, I love this. It depends. Like I can right. do that, but it depends. <laughs> There's some other stuff we have to consider. Like tickets that tickets need to be encapsulated really well for this to work. Yes. Make, make it that if they look at the issue and they say, Oh, this is the work that needs to be done. And they do all those things. I will literally put a checklist, look up markdown. If you don't know how to do this. Yeah. I'll put a checklist into the issue that says, if you do these things that are in the checklist, then I will accept your pull request. That, that's a good idea, too. Full yeah. stop. Ma make, it, make it easy for people to get that quick win because the, the satisf satisfaction of succeeding on a pull request is great. And if you get a pull request merged, maybe you want to come back and do another one. The power of dopamine, baby. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Last year, I think we had, uh, I want to say 20 or 30 random people contributing stuff to diaper base um so it's it's a great time to get people to be first time contributors and oh and if you are long-term maintaining a repo um the Hacktoberfest label on your pull requests can help you identify uh, how often your, your pull requests are coming in from these events such as that So folks, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to run by Live at Manning. If you go to drunkenux.com slash women in tech, 
the Live at Manning, Manning Publishing, they do books and learning series and online learning. Um, and they are hosting, they hosted last month the Rust Conference, and this month they're doing the Women in Tech series. It is a free online conference that is being streamed on Twitch. So, Aaron, you don't have to leave your house. Hooray! It's great what they've done. They've put together a huge list of uh, women speakers to talk about issues they've faced in technology and in the industry. Um, they're covering all kinds of different topics. So, whatever your interest area is, there's probably a conversation that's going to be happening that will interest you. So if you run by drunkenux.com slash women in tech, that's W-O-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H, you can get a free ticket. And uh, if you want to schedule on your calendar, October 13th, so it's a month out mm -hmm. still. Or no, that's not right. That's bad math. Two weeks out. Try two weeks. You got two weeks. Two weeks. It's from noon to five. That's a Tuesday. Uh Jeez, you got your calendar up. I did. I just I looked am, at it. <laughs> I am paying him right, folks. But yeah, folks, uh, <laughs> run by drunkenux.com slash women in tech. You can get a free ticket. It's just one afternoon, and you get to learn something and enjoy the voices of other people who aren't in your own head. Again, I hope everybody enjoyed today's episode and gets in, like excited about Hacktoberfest. I promise I really, really am going to... I know I said that last year and the year before that, but I really am. I'm going to find some <laughs> public uh, PRs to pull um, because I'm not a, a horrible person intentionally. I really want to support open source, and <laughs> it's just finding the time in my schedule, and I'm, I'm not making this Dude, better I get for it, me, man. am I, Aaron? I get it. <laughs> totally get it. <laughs> but yeah... Uh, let us know. I really am serious. If you got involved in Hacktoberfest, even in years past, um, let us know. Take a picture of yourself in your Hacktoberfest t-shirt and send it to us. We'd love to see it and share that out. So uh, we hope you're successful. And if you need help finding up an issue or finding a project, hey, come find us online and we'll help you find a project. You should uh, you should come by and share those photos. I've got three Hacktober Chef, Tober Chef, Chef? Hacktoberfest shirts myself i was combining shirts and myself I, into chef i think that's what happened right there i know i was there i you saw how much the bottle had earlier the first time we tried recording hey no this is the first time we've done this <laughs> but now aaron's wearing uh, three shirts and i'm super confused yeah uh send us photos send us your let us know what if you've contributed to issues in the past what was it that made you want to contribute to that issue i would actually like to know myself as someone who's maintained hacktoberfest repo before in the past um and you can let us know at facebook or it's twitter.com slash drunken ux and instagram.com slash drunken ux podcast and come back and chat with us tell us all the details drunken ux.com slash discord black also work it will point you to, discord. Point you to, to discord now um and big shout out to like the folks DigitalOcean because obviously they're you know dumping a ton of their own money in this, but also you know folks like at, at Stripe and CircuitCI and and Gremlin and Cloudflare like this Hacktoberfest is a big deal. So um, we hope you're part of it. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope you let us know how everything goes because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you're doing work that matters to you and makes a difference to people and helps other folks build better projects and maintain open source for the benefit of other people because when you keep your personas close and your users closer then by god you know you're doing it right 
At least it depends. The bottle is, the bottle is empty. <laughs> I finished it. 